Good morning. Glad to see you all on this blustery morning. Um, before we get started, I did want to make sure that everyone in our congregation and also those that are watching online uh, know what our current events that have happened in this last week. So Wednesday, at the regular business meeting, Pastor Sky presented his resignation. In it, he expressed his many wonderful memories that he and his family have shared over the past 10 years at Quinton Baptist and thanked the congregation for their love, support, and fellowship. He stated that he believed it was God's will for him to take a new direction in his ministry and personal journey. His intention is to stay on here at Quinton Baptist until the end of October. Please be praying for Pastor Sky and his family through this transition. Please also pray for Pastor Jay and the deacons as we seek God's will for our church. Also be in prayer for one another as we all step forward in faith, seeking God's will and trusting in his faithfulness. Thank you for those who came yesterday to pray and for the many who were unable to attend but were also praying. Uh, we will be meeting, the deacons will be meeting concerning this on Tuesday night, so be in prayer for that as well. And also realize at this point we haven't had any meetings concerning this. If you have any questions <clears throat> or just need to talk to someone, please reach out to the deacons or myself. The deacons will be available right after the search service. There is going to be a fellowship afterwards in the foyer. Uh, the deacons will be over toward the water fountain. I'd be happy to, if you have any questions at all regarding this, please uh, see a deacon. Thank you very much. Well, good morning. I just want to go over a couple other announcements that we have here. I encourage you uh, to look in your bulletin after the service. There will be a time of refreshments back here in the foyer, uh, so hopefully you guys can stick around for that uh, fellowship with each other for a little bit before Sunday school starts. This week we have the beginning of Olympians and Gopher Buddies again. Uh, it's a ministry that uh, we love doing every year. It'll be starting up this Wednesday. We're very excited about it. Uh, again, it's a class or it's a program for pre-K and kindergarten, and then everyone through first through sixth grade for our children's programs. It starts at 6:30 uh, on Wednesday. Uh, tonight we are having youth group, and uh, this week we also have women's Bible study on Tuesday and Thursday. There are also uh, a couple notes of appreciation in the bulletin, so I'd encourage you guys to take time and read that. Let's begin the service with a word of prayer. Lord, we come before you today as a church ready to worship you. Lord, we know that uh, this past week has been a tumultuous week for our church. It's been a heavy week for our church. But Lord, we know that you are greater than anything our church is going through. Lord, I pray that we would look to lift you up this morning. I pray that you would become the center of, of our service this week. I pray that we would look to you and look to your great name. I pray that you would receive the honor and glory. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Deuteronomy 32, verse 3. I will proclaim the name of the Lord. O oh, praise the greatness of our God. Let's stand and praise God for his greatness.
and please be seated. And Lord God, there is no one higher than you. There is no one more able. There is uh, no name that is greater. There is no one higher that we can turn to during times of, of help, during times of trouble. And so we turn to you this morning. We ask that you would be with us. We ask that you would be with us, uh, working through us, blessing us, bringing us together. Lord, uh, I think of Moses. He found out the burning bush that there was no one higher than you, that he needed you in his life. And Lord, we all need you today. Lord, we pray, bring our specific requests before you this morning. We pray for Joy Brooks. We pray, Lord, that you would uh, help her to physically heal. We pray, Lord, that she would feel better from this concussion. We pray that uh, the swelling would continue to go down on her eye. We thank you that there's been improvement there. We pray that the bruises would heal, that the soreness would heal, and uh, Lord, you would just uh, restore her uh, strength. We thank you that she's here today. And Lord, we pray for Naomi as she's been dealing with this sore back. We pray, Lord, that she'll be able to get some relief. Lord, we pray this morning for uh, Barbara Peterson's grandson, Hudson, who is going to be having open-heart surgery uh, tomorrow on Monday. We do pray, Lord, that you'll uh, protect little Hudson, uh, that you would watch over him. We pray for the surgeon. We pray that you would give the surgeon their best day. We pray that you would be with all the doctors and nurses involved in this procedure. And we pray, Lord, that Hudson's uh, uh, heart surgery would go well. We pray that uh, you would help him with this heart condition. And we pray that you would bring Hudson through this. Lord, we uh, thank you that Patrick Foster had his feeding tube removed uh, yesterday. We just uh, pray for his, re- or, or earlier this week, we pray, Lord, for his recovery. We pray, Lord, that you would give him the victory over cancer. We pray you would increase his appetite and increase his strength. We pray for Debbie DeHart's upcoming eye surgery in October. We pray for her as she prepares for it. Uh, we pray that everything will work out with the timing and the insurance and all those things. And we pray, Lord, that you would bring healing to her eye. We pray for uh, uh, Eileen and Ron this morning, and uh, as Eileen's brother Dan uh, lost his wife Sandra suddenly to a heart attack. Lord, uh, we know nothing takes you by surprise. We know that you were with us in the midst of tragic circumstances. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would be with Dan, uh, especially this morning as he's uh, uh, preaching at his church and trying to uh, deal with all this and make arrangements. So we just pray for every grace and mercy on Dan at this time. We do pray for Ron and Eileen as they uh, prepare to travel out uh, to Illinois to see him uh, later this week. We just pray, Lord, for traveling mercies there. Lord, we uh, thank you for a good report on Denise's great-nephew, Luca, after the pneumonia. We pray, Lord, that uh, the surgery can get rescheduled and for all the tests that are being done there. We thank you, Lord, for answered prayer for Joan. Uh, We thank you, Lord, that uh, things came back well. We pray, Lord, that she would continue to to feel good and uh, wouldn't have any uh, issues there. We also pray for Jeanette Harrington as she's waiting for tests to come back. Lord, we just pray that you would uh, bring physical healing to her body. We pray, Lord, that uh, uh, she would look to you during this time of, uh, of testing and waiting. And uh, Lord, we pray that she would be well. Lord, we pray for our missionary of the month, Herb Curden. We pray, Lord, that you would bless him in Kentucky and give him opportunities to minister, especially to uh, military veterans who he has a, a real passion for. Lord, we pray for... Uh, our fall ministries, and Lord, we just pray for the church. Lord, we pray for your blessing. We pray for your clear direction. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would uh, work through things. And Lord, we do pray for a good start for the uh, Gopher Buddies and Olympians this week. Lord, we uh, know we had an opportunity to minister to many children this summer through uh, Bible school and, uh, and the camps and uh, through flyers in the mail, mailers. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you would bring uh, many of those kids back to uh, our Wednesday night program and that there, there, there would be many uh, encouragements and God sightings there. We pray your hand upon the rest of the service now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's continue to praise God for his greatness. And while we're singing, children in first through third are dismissed for youth church. Please stand.
Please be seated. I'd encourage you to open up your Bibles to Exodus chapter 3. I'll be reading Exodus chapter 3, verses 7 through 15. Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 7. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Egypt, or the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this, to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. One of the first things I do when, uh, when I meet someone or when you meet someone is you learn their name. Uh, good morning, I'm Pastor Sky. What's your name? And uh, this is how we introduce ourselves. Names are important. Names define who we are. I often tell people, in fact, uh, when I introduce myself on the phone, I'm Pastor Sky, I'm six foot seven, and so I carry the name well. Our names, again, uh, tell, tell people about us. We know in the, in the Bible, names carry a lot of meaning. Adam names his wife Eve because she is the mother of all the living. God changes Abram's, Abram's name to Abraham, father of many nations. And when the Son of Man, uh, Son of God, came into the world, his name was not left to chance. 
The angel told Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Names are important. And so the question for this morning is, what is God's name? How does God introduce himself? And what does God's name have to do with our lives here this morning? So quick review, we're in a series on Moses. The first week we learned that God is in the backstory. And then the second thing we learned about God is that God protects his own. And then last week was all about meeting God, Moses and the burning bush. And we said that when we meet God, we learn about his holiness. And we also said when we meet God, God changes our lives. God puts a, a fire inside of us. And so that's where we left off. Now, before we get into God's name, there's some really great truths in verses 7 through 12 that Pastor Jay read for us that I just want to uh, briefly point out. Again, we said that every time we meet with God, we learn more about him. And uh, that's certainly the case here for Moses. Uh, verse 7 says, God says, I have surely seen the affliction of my people. We have a God who sees. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout all the earth. The Lord sees our hurts. The Lord sees all that we're going through. The Lord was aware of their affliction in Egypt. Verse 8 says, I know their sufferings. Compassion. We have a compassionate God. We don't, we don't have some unfeeling sort of God who does not care. But God hurts when we hurt and grieves when we grieve. He knows our sufferings and shows compassion toward us. Verse 8 also says, I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Hey, our God is a God of power. He's a God of action. He does not sit idly by. Our God is able to deliver. He's able to deliver you out of whatever situation you were in. He did it for Israel. And then verse 8 says, He will bring them into a land flowing with milk and honey. God is good. Never forget that God is good. He has good plans. He has good ideas for our lives. Verse 10, he says, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. My children. God is a father. God is a loving father. God is a, a good father, a perfect father. And we are his children who belong to him. And I love when uh, God predicts what he's going to do. He says, I will bring the people out, and you shall serve God on this mountain. God says, I'm going to do it. You just watch me, Moses. God is uh, telling him, you will be back here on this very mountain with all the Israelites worshiping me. And of course, we know that's exactly what will end up happening. So God is great at predicting things. He is, uh, predicts with 100% accuracy. And so this is all a, a warm-up for what God says next. God is just teaching Moses more and more about himself. And then God is going to tell Moses his name. So you get to the points. Number one, the great I am has the greatest name. Look at verse 13 again. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel... And say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. All right, so here's God explaining to Moses all that he's going to do. He's going to rescue the Hebrews out of Egypt. He's going to bring them to a land flowing with milk and honey. And here comes the punchline. God says, I've chosen you, Moses, to do it. You are going to be the one to go to Pharaoh. And you are going to bring the people out. And they're going to listen to you. And they're going to follow you. And you are going to lead them, Moses. Pretty cool. And Moses, of course, responds with, who, me? You're, you're picking me? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Moses is overwhelmed by the weight of this responsibility. Go, go to Egypt, uh, go back to Pharaoh, the ruler of the Egyptian empire, enter his courts, make demands of him. Moses says, I, I can't do that. And Moses begins 
making excuses and asking God questions. And uh, really, I'm glad that Moses asked the questions he asked. Because one of the questions that Moses asks is, what is your name, God? What is your name? Who shall I say sent me? And uh, God in his mercy and grace answers Moses. God tells Moses his name. And uh, it's a great name, right? I, I've been looking forward to, to going over it with you. Are you ready for it? Here it is. God's name is I am who I am. Right? Mind blown, right? Totally incredible. I am who I am. How do you like that answer? That is a pretty amazing name. No one else has this name. I am who I am. This name reflects the glory of God. This name tells us all about the character of God. No one could possibly live up to that name but the Lord Almighty. I am who I am. One of the things that we notice right away is that God has chosen his own name. You know, uh, just about all of us here, most of us, don't get to pick our names. Uh, you're given a name at birth from your parents. It goes on your birth certificate, and that is your name, unless you uh, legally change it. But God has chosen his own name. God has defined his own reality because... God is reality. God is reality. I am who I am. In verse 14, God says, I am who I am. Verse 14, again, he says, I am has sent me to you. And then verse 15, God says, uh, Yahweh has sent me to you. Yahweh is the personal name uh, for God that the Hebrews use. And so this is how we are to know God. It's more than just a label, but it helps define who God is. We often refer to God as the great I am. I am means that God exists, self-existence. Uh, children often ask, who made God? And every wise parent knows the answer is, well, nobody made God. God simply is. God has no beginning, and he has no end. Look at this uh, quote from John Piper. Since he did not come into being, he cannot go out of being because he is being. Right? Think about that. Yeah. Since he did not come into being, he cannot go out of being because he is being. And what that's really saying is that since God wasn't created, he can't stop existing. <coughs> when God identified himself as I am who I am, He's stating that no matter what, no matter when, no matter where, God is there. God is always present, and he's an ever-present help in times of trouble. <coughs> I am means that he has an existence outside of time. There's no time restraints on God. He, he is the I am. I am that I am means that God is fully complete and doesn't need anything. Uh, it's not I was or I will be, but it's I am. Uh, I am who I am means that nothing will change with God. God is the same year after year. His character does not change. His love does not change. His essence does not change. His personhood does not change. Uh, his mercy, his grace, his goodness, none of it changes. Malachi 3.6, I, the Lord, do not change. And so in a world that's always changing and things are always happening, God remains the same. I am who I am. It really means that we can trust him. It means we can trust him. I am who I am means it all comes from him. Everything starts with God. All energy, all motion, all combustion, all fusion, all fission, uh, all originate in God. God is the center of life. God is the center of everything. He's the great I am. God is the absolute standard of truth, of goodness, of beauty. John Piper again writes, Nothing is more foundational to the church than God is. Nothing is more foundational to your life, to your marriage, to your job, to your health, to your mind, to your future than God is. 
Nothing is more foundational to the world, to the solar system, to the Milky Way, to the universe than God is. I am that I am. It means he is first over everything, and he should be first over everything we do. I am that I am means that God is better than all the Egyptian gods. You know, if you look at the names of the Egyptian gods, their names all mean something, and they signal the strength of that god. For example, the god Ammon was the concealed one, and the god Ptah was the revealer, and the god Ra was the swift one, the Egyptian gods. But you see, our God isn't just one quality. Our God isn't good at just one thing. He's everything. He can do it all. The great I am has it all. And all those false gods in Egypt couldn't measure up. We're going to see that again. God's going to prove that when we get to the plagues. Isaiah 40, verse 17, All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. Now, how how can God say that all the great nations and civilizations of the earth are less than nothing? He can say that because he's the great I am. All the the modern cities, all the the leaders, and all the military, and all that, less than nothing, because he's the great I am. And so, when Moses asks God, what name should I give them? God says, say this to the people, I am has sent me to you. That's, that's all you need to tell them, Moses. How's that for name dropping? Right, we have the uh, expression in our culture called name dropping. Name dropping is, you know, when you mention someone's name and it's supposed to impress people. Uh, oh, uh, I know so-and-so. Uh, if I mention the restaurant manager's name, I'll get a good seat at the restaurant and quick. Uh, If I mention I know police officer so-and-so, maybe I'll get out of a speeding ticket, right? Uh, Name dropping. It's where you uh, say you know someone and it kind of, you know, you kind of get something out of it. Well, Moses could do the best job of name dropping in the history of name dropping because when he says, who sent me, he's going to say the great I am. He's going to drop God's name. How's, how's that for name dropping? You drop God's name on them. There's no better name that he could drop. Uh, that is the name that will make them listen. That is the name that will make them pay attention. That is the name that will get them to take Moses seriously. Give them God's name. It's the greatest name you could give. And so that leads to our second point, and that is the great I am wants his name remembered. Look at verse 15 again. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. You see, when you have the greatest name in all the world, you want it remembered. You want people to know it. You want people uh, uh, saying that name and thinking about that name. God wants his name known. He wants to introduce himself to everyone. You know, we might read this passage and think that this story is about Moses. So it's about the call of Moses and and, uh, uh, what Moses is going to do, how Moses is going to free the Israelites. And, you know, it sort of is. But this story is about God making his name known, his great name known. God wants his name known by all people in all places at all times. God wants his name known by every tribe and tongue and every nation. Because God's name is so great and holy, because God's name is so wonderful and powerful and above every name, it needs to be made known. There's power in his name. There's healing in his name. There's mercy in his name. We worship in his name. We pray in his name. This is what missions is all about, making the name of God known to people who don't know him, telling people he's the great I am. You know, some people uh, don't want their names known, right? Uh, We have an expression for that. It's keep my name out of it. Uh, I'll tell you which neighbor has been tossing his trash into your garden, but keep my name out of it. Uh, I'll tell you uh, whose dog has been going on your lawn, 
but keep my name out of it, right? Uh, in those situations, they don't want their name known. But that's not how God is. God says, tell them my name. God wants people hearing his name and thinking about his name and worshiping his name. Ezekiel 39.7, uh, my holy name I will make known among uh, the people of Israel, and I will not let my holy name be profaned anymore. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. Currently, we know in our world, God's name isn't really honored. God's name is not remembered. Our world has forgotten the name of the Lord. Romans 1 is a good summary of what happens when people forget God's name. They worship created things instead of the creator. They turn to all sorts of lusts. Uh, I know I'm using John Piper a lot this week, but he really had a lot of good things to say on this topic. Piper says, quote, Therefore, it is a cosmic outrage billions of times over that God is ignored, treated as negligible, questioned, criticized, treated as virtually nothing, and given less thought than the carpet in people's houses. Right? What's Piper saying? God's name is being ignored. And that's a shame. It's an outrage. It's not fair to God. The name of the Lord is great, and it should be made known. And so that leads to the last part of this. Number three is the great I am is greater than our excuses. So uh, God wanted his name known back in Egypt. God wants his name known today. We've seen that. And he wants people, he wants to use people like Moses, and he wants to use people like you and me. But we make excuses, don't we? And this is the part of the story that we, we, we can really relate to, right? Moses and his excuses. There are times when we hesitate to make God's name known because of feelings of inadequacy, right? We, we feel like we don't measure up. We feel like we're not good enough to serve God. Moses, you notice, responds. He doesn't, he doesn't say, oh, I'll do it, Lord. I would love to help. That's not Moses' response to God. Moses felt inadequate to lead the children of Israel, and he had to learn that God was his adequacy. Right? That's really the issue here. Do we stay in our excuses, or do we really believe that God's the great I am who will carry us through? Let's define an excuse. An excuse is an attempt to lessen the blame or get someone out of doing something. Right? Because of our sinful hearts, mankind is really good at making excuses. If we don't want to do something, we just find a reason that sounds good enough and is believable enough and is acceptable enough. I can't do my homework because I'm tired. Uh, I can't mow the lawn because it's raining or it might rain. Uh, I can't come to your kid's birthday party because, well, Kids give me headaches, or, or whatever, right? Take your favorite excuse. Moses is really good at making excuses. Uh, but no matter what excuse he came up with, God had an answer. And that answer always involved God. The answer always came back to God. You see, God is just too awesome to buy our excuses. So we're just going to kind of go through these quickly. First excuse Moses gave was I'm not qualified. Hey, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? What, what qualifications do I have, Lord? Moses was a shepherd now, a settled-down married man in Midian. Who was he to do anything? Moses hadn't even been in Egypt in 40 years. He'd never done anything like this. Uh, send a great military leader. Send a great speaker who could give heart-stirring speeches. Send a negotiator who can, you know, really get things done. Why Moses? And really, the question of, you know, why me is, is self-oriented instead of God-oriented. And of course, God answers this excuse. He says, I will be with you. That's it. That's all God needs to say. I will be with you. It's not about you, Moses. It's about me. You can do anything, Moses, as long as I'm with you. No one's going to mess with Moses because God would be with him. He had the great I am on his side. It didn't matter if they laughed at Moses or ridiculed Moses because the Lord would be with him. And so maybe today, you know, you're not feeling qualified enough to serve God. 
But there is no not qualified when it comes to the great I am because he qualifies you. He's with you. Second excuse, I, I, I won't know what to say. What do I say when they start asking me questions? This is a, a lack of knowledge excuse. But Moses makes it clear it's not about Moses or his knowledge. It's not about how smart we are. It's not about our IQs. God says, tell them I am sent you. You know, when we don't feel like we're smart enough to serve God or we know enough to serve God, again, the solution is to stop focusing on ourselves and focus on the Lord. You know, God's the smart one. God's the smart one. God's the one who has it all figured out, and he'll tell us what to say and what to do. The third excuse is they won't believe me. This comes from uh, the first verse of chapter 4. Then Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. Now, Moses doesn't know for sure they won't believe him. He just assumes it. And I have to say, you know, I can really uh, understand this excuse. I mean, uh, you're going to go around telling people that you saw a burning bush. Uh, you're going to tell people that you heard the voice of God in the desert. Sounds a little crazy, doesn't it? We live in a skeptical, unbelieving world. Uh, you tell people you have a, a personal relationship with Jesus. Think they're going to believe that, right? Uh, tell them a, a man rose from the grave. They'll really think you're crazy. And so again, I like how God answers this one. For this excuse, the Lord gives him a sign. Moses throws the staff down and it becomes a serpent, which Moses, it says, ran away from it. It shows it's real, right? That's real. Moses runs away from that serpent, wants to get away from it. But notice the point here. Let God worry about who believes and who doesn't believe. God's in control of the heart and mind. God can do some amazing things to lead people into belief. We all know people we thought would never come to know Christ. And then they came, and then they did. Maybe you're one of those people. So the point is, don't worry if they don't believe. Just do the work of the Lord and be faithful to deliver the message. God can do things to lead people to believe. Moses uh, keeps working through his excuses. Fourth excuse, I'm not gifted enough. I'm slow of speech. Moses is still focused on his shortcomings and not the greatness of God. But you know, God doesn't accept that excuse either. God says, hey, it's not about you, Moses. It's not about your giftedness. Really, no one, no matter how gifted, can't serve God anyway in their own strength. It is God who is infinite, eternal, all-powerful, who equips us to serve him. God puts forth those questions there in chapter 4. Who made man's mouth? Great I am. Who, who makes man mute or deaf or seeing or blind? The great I am. God keeps telling Moses, I can do anything, and I will be your mouth. I will give you the words to say. How helpful is that when you're doing evangelism, you're trying to witness to someone or just share your faith? Uh, God will give you the words. All the, the great preachers, all the great evangelists that we see and hear today, they're not really doing it. It is God doing it through them. God gives the words to say. And of course, that leads to Moses' last excuse, and uh, it's, it's, it's kind of a comical one. Send someone else. Fix somebody else. Uh, this is the I don't want to excuse. No more questions, no more arguing. Lord, I'm just not doing it. Pick someone else, not me. You know, Moses was hoping that he would say the right thing so that he would be excused, right? Uh, God would just say, okay, Moses, you know what? You're right. You're, you're, you know what? You don't have to do it. You're excused. Kind of like jury duty, right? When you have jury duty, those are the two wonderful words you want to hear. You're excused. You've done your service. You're off the hook. And that's, what, that's mo essentially what Moses wanted here. But notice God's response. God was angry with Moses. God is very patient with us, but his patience was wearing thin. The excuses were getting old. And so God tells Moses, I will give you Aaron to be with you, but you are going to do it. It's not about you, Moses. It's about God. And, uh, you know, God doesn't let us off the hook either. God has plans for us. God wants to use us. The enemy wants you to focus on yourself and your own failings and your own inadequacy. As long as we're focused on ourselves, we're never going to do anything for God. 
We'll just stay in our excuses. But if we're focused on the great I am, then we can do anything. Really, the solution is to raise our view of God. Right? If we have a small good, excuse me, a small view of God, then our excuses will always win. But if we have a great view of God, and we know how awesome God is, and we know God has a great name, and we know he's the great I am, then our excuses will melt away under his greatness. God wants to use sinners saved by grace to make his name known, no excuses. And so, if God is calling you to do something, focus on the greatness of his name and do it. Here's where Jesus comes into this. Jesus is the great I am. Jesus is I am who I am. You know, Jesus is not just a good teacher. He's not just a good person. Jesus is the I am in human flesh. Jesus said in John 8, 58, Truly, truly, I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. And the Pharisees, you know what they did? They picked up stones to stone him, to kill him, because they knew just what that meant. Jesus is equal with God. Jesus is the great I am. Jesus used all those I am statements during his life. I am the door. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. When they came to arrest Jesus and they asked him, are you Jesus of Nazareth? Jesus said, I am. And they all fell back. He's the great I am. Think about this. Jesus, the great I am, died on the cross for your sin. The great I am of the universe gave his life for us. The resurrection proves he's the great I am. And so have you committed your life to Jesus? Meditating on the greatness of Jesus will knock out the excuses. You know, we're uh, starting to draw closer to Christmas now. This is the end of September. And uh, one of my favorite Christmas songs is Mary, Did You Know? It's really a great song about, uh, about Mary and just what she was thinking as she was going through that, that time in her life carrying the Christ child. And there's so many great lines in that song. This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. And uh, when you kiss your little baby, you've kissed the face of God, right? Beautiful, beautiful lines. But the line I want to direct your attention to comes at the end of the song. Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? That sleeping, sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. Right? Every time I hear that, I go, wow, right? Holding the great I am. That's Jesus. Jesus is the great I am. Have you put your faith in him? Well, in conclusion, you know, Moses would never have gone to Egypt. He never would have done half the cool stuff he did if he hadn't learned God's name. His excuses would have stopped him cold. He needed to know the great I am in a more personal way. There's a whole world that needs to know God's name. And so for next steps, how often do you think about the great I am? Do you know God is the great I am? Do you know his name? How often do you meditate on his name? You know, we will always feel inadequate and unworthy until we look to God. What excuses are holding you back from serving the Lord more fully? Maybe there's an excuse that we really struggle with, an excuse that uh, we, we see that excuse and we say, yeah, that's me, and we just need to give that excuse to the Lord. May our excuses melt away as we focus on Jesus, the great I am. Let's pray. And Lord, that's, that's our prayer today. Lord, we want to be able to live our life without excuses. We want to be able to serve you without excuses. And Lord, we want to know you more. Lord, help us uh, the rest of today and into this week to just remember the great I am. Help us to, to think about your name and meditate on your name and uh, what it means all the, the power behind it, what the, uh, the, the self-existence, the eternal nature, the, all those things that go with the great I am. And we thank you for sending your son Jesus, the great I am in human flesh, went to the cross for our sin. I pray, Lord, for anyone who needs to commit their life to him today. 
Lord, there's no one higher they can turn to but the great I am. Pray they would trust you today. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's continue to focus on the greatness of God and sing to the one whose name is above all names. Please stand. one wants us to stay in our inadequacies. The evil one wants us to live in our excuses. But the good news today is we don't have to. Focus on the greatness of God. We'll have some people at the front. They would love to uh, encourage you, counsel you, uh, if that's where you are at today. Lord, we uh, look into your word. We hear your, the songs and we marvel at you. How great is our God. And Lord, we thank you for showing Moses your greatness. We thank you for these, uh, this conversation you had with him, revealing your name to him. Lord, help us to see your greatness. Help us to leave our excuses behind and focus on you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.